You're listening to The Perth Property Show, Australia's only weekly property podcast by West Australian experts for West Australian listeners. Catch your latest episode every Monday at 7am. G'day guys, welcome to another week of the Perth Property Show where our number one experts in all fields of property in Perth come in and help us out with a new topic of interest. I'm Trent Fleskins, your host. To furnish or not to furnish? That is our property management rental question for today. Emma Thorpe from Mark Hay Realty is in to chat with us. Hey Emma. Hey, how are you? Thanks for having me. Good, thanks mate. We are talking about putting our furniture into a rental property, the pros and cons, money, time, effort. Uh, maintenance, all that stuff, their considerations. In this market, we want to be relative to this market. Does having a furnished apartment, unit, house help get a tenant in quicker? That is the million dollar question. It really is. Because in some cases, it's six of one and half a dozen of the other. But the recent REWA stats are showing us that unfurnished properties are in fact renting quicker than furnished properties, particularly in Perth and a 10K radius. Why do you think? With a furnished property, it attracts a more transient tenant. So that's people that are straight off the plane from over east, overseas, and they're normally here for a work contract or particularly with Asian students, they're here for... Um, Except period of time. Yeah, and, and for school and learning. And we've probably got a few less students and a few less workers coming in. Yeah, so maybe absolutely. So it's harder to get those people into our properties at the moment. Yeah, and I guess with the slowdown in the resource sector, we've really seen um, a reduced rate of those execs coming from over east and overseas. Paying a premium um, for a furnished property. Yeah, exactly. So yep. I remember in the good days in 2012, we were having pretty much only mining companies renting our furnished apartments in town and they were paying way over the advertising price Mm. um, because they needed it for their execs. Yep, makes sense. That leads me to that next point then. You were saying, you know, transient market. That would lead me to think that we're going to have more turnover on tenants that are in a furnished property than unfurnished. Does that make sense? Yeah, sure. So obviously when we do have these mining execs or students, they're only here for six or nine months, generally speaking. That results in our owner's properties being up for advertising, up for lease more often than our furnished properties. So obviously that can come down to agency fees in finding a new tenant. That's obviously quite a lot of work involved and vacancy periods. So obviously having your property rented for the the longest amount of time is best for your investment. I've, and just hassle. Obviously, if you've got a property manager, life becomes a lot easier, but you're paying for them. When I think about the portfolio I've got, the longest tenant I've had in a property is 10 years and it's been wow. the easiest. You know, the rent comes in every fortnight. They fix their own issues when, you know, the door lock or whatnot, they just take it off the rent. Uh, and then the shortest period has been one where every sort of year and a half is a change. And it's a different property type. I think, you know, the, the longer term is, is a big family home and the, the smaller three by one that I've got is, uh, that's the one that's, that, that, that can be an issue. That's just a pain in the ass. Your vacancy rate increases from 0% to 5, 10, 15%, depending on how long it takes to get it out. So if you're setting yourself up with a property that you've chosen to market towards a more transient market, you're just setting yourself up for more vacancy period. Yeah, correct. Unless, of course, if we're going through a resource boom when they are the most demand properties and we're seeing minimal vacancy period, higher rental squeezing more per out. week. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, we're not in that right now, are we? So... 
Would that be then a logical situation, maybe keep the furniture in the storage room? Yeah, I would say so. The current real stats, as I mentioned, is showing that unfurnished properties are renting quicker. So in our experience, we're finding that a tenant who wants the property unfurnished will move their stuff up those stairs without the lift, settle in nicely and stay probably 12 to 18 months. The other good thing about having an unfurnished property is there's that no unexpected costs for repairs, maintenance, replacement of the washing machine, the dryer, even as things like the kettle or the toaster, if that breaks down. Or more, more, you provide more things, more things that can break. Correct. That's right. So a lot of our furnished properties as well, sometimes they come with linen or display cushions on the lounges and beds and things like that. So when we're starting to look at those things, once they start to get aged and worn, then obviously those are unexpected Hidden costs. Hidden it costs, sounds like that's they're right. on the surface, the furnished side of things can look really sexy on the numbers, but then they just bite you in the ass every year with Correct. all those costs. I mean, a fridge goes, a washing. Think about the stuff in our home. There's always maybe once a year something's going right. If you go and create more of those, furnishing your properties every year, there's another six, seven hundred bucks for a new fridge or a new washing machine. It just adds up. Sure. I think that has to cancel out pretty closely, wouldn't it? The premium that people are paying you to use those goods. It does, of course. And also the other thing to consider is that most of those repairs and and replacements of those items is a tax deduction. But again, it does cancel out at Mm. the end of the day. And we're paying property managers, I think you noted this, to fix these things on your behalf if you haven't got the time. So that's another thing on top of that. Yeah, so the agency fees are higher for a furnished property. Obviously, there's a lot more work involved in counting inventory on the way in, counting inventory on the way out, organizing repairs and maintenance with tradies. There is quite a lot more work involved in that. Yes. What is the premium? Was is it twenty bucks, fifty bucks? Is it a percentage normally? Yeah, I wouldn't say it's a percentage, and it would differ on the market and the time of the year. So interestingly, come January, your premiums for a furnished property would probably increase. I would say to around fifty dollars per week. That is because we're seeing new people start the the new year fresh for work and school and things like that. So around January, you're probably going to see around $50 per week more. But in the quieter times, like in winter, in the middle of the school terms, probably only going to see around $25 per week um, for a sta- if we're talking standard IKEA type furnishings. Mm. What about the idea of just letting the tenant choose? Is that, yeah, is sure. that something that some of your clients... Uh... During the tough times that we've just experienced in releasing property over the last, say, nearly three years now, one of the things that I've been asking my owners, are you able to offer to furnish or to unfurnish? So, Or even part furnish. That's like right. Just a couple of the big white goods that people just may not be able to afford, especially if it's a lower part of the market. Yeah, sure. So the only thing on that is that sometimes we find that tenants will either have all or nothing. So white goods is a good thing, like uh, washing machine dryers are normally included in apartments. Mm. But washing machines, dryers and fridges, they're always a good thing to have. But anything else, most tenants will either have all or nothing. But I do ask my owners sometimes to consider whether they have the facilities to advertise their property as furnished or unfurnished and let the tenant decide. It's a really good idea because then we're not reducing anybody from from the market so basically yeah this property will suit anybody yeah so and a lot of owners they've got the storeroom downstairs or they've got a few bits and pieces that they could store at home or vice versa they've got things that they could add to their investment property to make it furnished if they need it one piece of contention i've noticed both on a sales side and a rental side the dishwasher yes want or need (laughs) um some people 
when I on the sales side, I've even seen take their dishwasher. I would always say leave your dishwasher. Whether there's one person or five people want a dishwasher, it's the same with air conditioning now. It's becoming less of a want and more of a need. It's an expectation. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Things are it's the way things are moving, I guess. Well, I think that's a pretty quick and uh, efficient way of looking at this topic. For me, the answer seems to be unfurnished at the moment. Yeah, sure. In the current market, especially with the REWA stat showing us that unfurnished properties are renting quicker, to lease your property quicker, that is the best way to maximize your returns. So yeah, Trent, look, at the end of the day, if I had to say um, one way or the other, I would suggest renting your property unfurnished. Thanks, Emma. Have you in again soon. Good. Thank you. All right, Suburb Spotlight time. We are talking about Wembley Downs, one of the smaller, less represented suburbs in the west, the northwest coast up near Scarborough, City Beach, Churchlands, Woodlands. For me, when I think of Wembley Downs, I think of two things. I think of Wembley Golf Course and I think of Hale School. When you look at the square meterage of this suburb, takes up quite a portion of it but there's obviously a lot of people there too 6,000 odd people living in Wembley Downs and we have one person in that suburb a local to talk about that suburb it's Matt McWaters from Harcourts Matt thank you very much for coming in thanks Trent good to be here when I think about Wembley Downs I've just given you my perspective what's your perspective pretty much along the same line as you it's a beautiful leafy undulating suburb I think is what that's what everyone loves about it the golf courses the sporting clubs the schools, some fantastic schools to choose from in the area. Primary and senior. Primary and senior. There's a bunch of primary schools that people can go to. You've got Churchlands High School there. I don't think we should forget that one. It's certainly the top senior school north of the river. So it's a big draw card to get people into that. So A lot ha- of local families going to Churchlands. Absolutely. Hale traditionally was a big draw card to the area, but I think over recent years, even though we've had a property decline in the Perth market overall, it's what's held Wembley Downs up is the schools that are in the area. So Churchlands in particular, we're seeing families that might traditionally send their children to Hale will come and buy in Wembley Downs instead and send the children to Churchlands and put the money into the house. Well, over the space of an education is probably a house you're paying for to go to Hale anyway, right? Yeah, absolutely. So your kids are at Hale. I guess a lot of their friends, they live around Wembley Downs as well. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, our boys went to Wembley Downs Primary School. We live. I'm a, I'm a local. I've grown up in Wembley Downs, still live in Wembley Downs now. And our boys went to Wembley Downs Primary School before going up and doing their secondary education at Hale School. I want to talk about some of the stats with Wembley Downs. It's one of the interesting ones where when you look at the median sales price, and we've spoken about this on the podcast before, we don't really want to look too deep into that because there's so much that affects it. Knockdowns and million dollar rebuilds and then just a subset of what's selling. You know, Are they just selling more expensive houses than the cheaper ones per year? But what we can at least note here is that for every year since 2015, which is obviously Perth's peak back in the day, Wembley Downs has grown. It's been above its median house price. In 2015, the median was 1.02. It then moved to 1.04, 1.1, and now it's essentially 1.09. So we're sitting at a median house price that sits nearly by itself in Perth as one of the only ones that is continually been growing since the boom. Have you got any explanations for that? Some real data behind maybe what's shaping that median price? Yeah, it's a it's a suburb that people have a lot of confidence in coming into the area where it doesn't suffer the the swings that other suburbs. So so buyers will come in there with confidence knowing that their their money is safe in tough times people put their money into blue chip stocks. 
it only turns over around 20 to 25 sales. We've been selling a lot of the upper end, top end stock, but that has also held the suburb price up. So, so we're selling more top end stock. And that's more, keeping the price and high. And that's keeping the price high. Look, when you compare it to most other suburbs around Perth, as I've stated before, this is one of those ones that's up considerably from the peak. So even if we have a mixture, look, I see that as a positive representation that Wembley Downs is not a first home buyer suburb. Not many people can afford to get into Wembley Downs. have probably come in with quite a bit of equity and they're probably not in negative equity now. Yeah, 100%. The, I think the average gentleman who's, who's on their second, third, fourth multiple property purchase, they're knowing that they're going to be getting back their money that they put into it and they might, might be looking at other suburbs that have had the bigger hits that you've been speaking about that it might have suffered the 15% decreases and they're trying to spend their money well by moving on to other suburbs. So it's, a, like you said, fantastic recession-proof suburb. When we talk about Wembley Downs, I obviously reference the suburbs around it. Scarborough, City Beach, they're busy, they're known for the beach. Churchlands, known for the school, known for the estate. Double View, known for its variety of housing options. Wembley Downs doesn't really seem to be a suburb that I would drive through often. doesn't really have much of a thoroughfare through it. You have Hale Road, you've got Weaponess. Yes. It's yep. really about it, really, isn't it? Yeah. Um, There's not really much reason to have a lot of traffic in this suburb. No, it's not. So that's a, it's a really local, family-driven suburb. So that everyone within the suburb knows each other. It's a bit old school in that way. It's a bit like an old country town sometimes. You go out to the shops and you'll know everybody that's at the Wembley Downs shops. Everyone that has their children in the schools will participate in the local sporting club. So they're very supportive of what's going on around the area, whether it's the Wembley Downs Junior Football Club, whether it's the Wembley Downs Soccer Club, the local cricket clubs, um, the scout groups. Everyone is very community orientated and supportive of each other. You mentioned buyers, 40 years old. For me, when I think of a, that sort of demographic and I think of the schools, would I be right to say that most of these buyers are that couple who have got the six-year-old and the four-year-old and they're prepping up for that next 15, 20 years of school and then the sellers are probably those ones downsizing after the kids have finished? Absolutely, yeah, 100%. You've got the young families that are looking to come in or even the couples that are planning to have a family and they're wanting to be close to the schools and then you, you'll see then the downsizers. But it's even funny, you know, the downsizers love the, love the Wembley Downs market so quite often they're wanting to find something within the same suburb to continue on in, in there. Are there enough options in the suburb for downsizers? Probably not. No, that's probably an area that needs to be looked at. The price of those downsizers is quite high for the suburb, which makes it difficult for some of the, the long-term residents to stay within the suburb. What are we missing? Is it big luxury apartments? Is it townhouses? Is it villas? Is it all those things? Probably some, some smaller villa-style accommodation for the over-55s. You know, the, the, remember the traditional old over-55s where you're allowed to put three on a quarter-acre block instead of the two that we can put in there. It's zoned R20. So there was a, a period there where there was some, you would see a triplex development for the over-55s, and they're fantastic. They've always sold like hotcakes in the area, um, particularly to the locals that are wanting to remain close to the doctors, the shopping centres, all the amenities that it offers. Are there many properties on the market at the moment? There has been, but we've seen that stock level reduce quite a bit in the, re in the last two or three months. There's been quite a spike. November was a big month for us personally, and we've seen stock levels come down to the point now that we're... You're looking for yeah, stock? Yeah, we're, we're wanting stock. We need stock at the moment. We've got buyers that are waiting to buy. We're receiving multiple offers on properties just in November. One of the properties would have had six people bidding on it. Another one would have had four or five people bidding on it. 
So there's high demand in the suburb at the moment. Do you think it's because people are starting to get the feeling that we're at the bottom of the market and if they didn't have to sell by now, there's no real need for them to sell until they see real growth come back into their property? Yeah, it's that combination of we're now hearing buyers tell us that they believe the, the property market has reached its bottom. That's not us standing at opens talking to them. That's them walking, coming to us or making phone calls to us looking for stock because there is low stock in the area. So the buyers themselves are recognising that it, now is the time to jump in and start buying. And equally on that, the sellers then are probably thinking, well, if the market is turning, it's about to move. Now's the time maybe I'll hold on and wait for that the property prices to increase. So it's about having that conversation with both parties around that, particularly with the sellers, finding the properties that we can sell and talking about what they're buying and the market that they're moving to as to whether or not they should be moving now or holding on and moving later. Let's talk about price points. Can't imagine there are that many price points in Wembley Downs. It seems like a fairly homogenous suburb of big family homes that are worth every dollar that you pay for them. Can you give me an idea of how cheap I could buy into Wembley Downs if oh, I, I wanted you'd to? Find, you'd be surprised. There's some. We've got some unit developments in there, the old 60s-style sam- salmon brick flats oh, in there. I love those. And they're, they're sort of, you're looking at those in, in the uh, high twos. And where are they? Those are. They're scattered throughout the suburb. They're not in, a, in one, one area in particular. You'll find them across the suburb. If you're looking to pick up a two-bedroom duplex, you'll pick those up in the 500s at the moment. These are the old school, yeah, the old connected school, wall, yeah, connected yep. wall, side by side duplexes. Then you'll start ranging up to maybe a full size block, uh, or what I might sort of term as a 700 square meter site. Pick that up for the 900s, and then we'll range up from there to some of the brand new stuff that'll be the In high the ones. ones. Yeah. yeah, so there's really a gap though, isn't there? If you don't want a family home, you got two options: an old duplex or an old flat. Absolutely, particularly Clearly under an the million mark. Yeah. Yeah. Otherwise, if you want to go to a, a single level, three by two, four by two, nice new single level property, you're going to be paying, you know, one point twos, one point threes for that. Do you think there'll be an appetite in the suburb? There's obviously a lot of NIMBY suburbs in Perth. Do you think there's a level of pragmatism in the suburb to understand? Look, we're all getting older here. We want to stay. We don't want to have to move to Scarborough or City Beach or Double View. Do you think in certain strategic areas, maybe around the golf course or on Weaponess, that they'd be open to some level of density to provide new product? There is no question that we could we could move that that sort of stock, no problems at all, to the locals. Mm. It's it's getting the council and planning commissions and people like that on board, knowing yeah. that that's what needs to happen. Well, let's talk about subdivision now. Not a lot of high density opportunities, as we've just referenced, but we have R20 blocks and we have quarter acre blocks. Yes. We have corner blocks as well. Yeah. Where are you seeing, if any, any level of development in Wembley Downs? Oh, as soon as there's a subdividable block, they're being snapped up, generally for subdivision to be sold off as land or um, developers building on those to on-sell. Are they just side-by-side, 500 square metre, quarter acres? Yeah, generally they'll go side-by-side. You know, we, It's funny, we sort of try and push the developers to give us the, the single levels front and backs. We find that they move really well in the area, but they have their own mindset where they'll like to do the side-by-sides or the two-storey properties trying to aim for the higher price point. Why do you think the battle axe goes quicker? That's pretty rare. Yes, the demand for the buyers out there, particularly those that are looking to downsize from potentially adjoining suburbs, city beach type people, Floriot sellers, Mount Claremont, those types of buyers that are trying to get out of their suburb, come to a different suburb where they can buy something that's low maintenance, easy care. 
Hmm, okay. So the idea of downsizing, probably defeating the purpose if you're going to be building two big 500 square meter houses side by side. Yeah, absolutely. Understood. Look, that's a really practical reason and, and explanation as to how doing that side by side when your market is a downsizer might make sense on paper, but might not make sense when it comes to sales day. Yeah, particularly when you look at some of the suburbs that we're talking about with Florida and City Beach, you can't subdivide. Yeah. So we most people in, in the industry are aware of what happened there with the town of Cambridge when they tried to bring in that. But um, no longer existed. That's no. what happened. Yeah, that's right. It <laughs> <laughs> got voted out. Yeah. So those people want to stay local, but they don't want to be on their big thousand square meter sites. They can't take care of it anymore. The houses are getting old. So they have to try and find something more easy care, low maintenance. And Wembley Downs is a perfect suburb for that. Any corner lots? Yeah, absolutely. Um, particularly the, some of the smaller ones, which still can be subdivided. All right, Matt McWaters, the big median house price question. The median house price is? A million and ninety. There's a lot of things a lot of people could do with a million and ninety bucks if they had that in their pocket. But if you had to spend that million and ninety bucks in Wembley Downs, where would it go? I would be buying something in that six to eight hundred square meter lot price point. Though that non-subdividable block will always hold its value, and in the future, that's going to be the big blocks in the area as we see lot sizes getting smaller and smaller. What's the best house I could imagine buying on that block that you spoke about for a million and ninety thousand dollars? We talking a four by two with a pool? Is it two yeah, stories? One story? Is it the, renovated? Trent, you'll buy, probably buy yourself a a single level original Wembley Downs home that's had some renovations to it throughout. There could be a pool, there may not be a pool. There'll generally be a large yard area. It'll be a four by two because it would have had some extension over time. And then from there, the opportunity is for you to to renovate that further, extend further, or potentially just hold on to it, knock it down and build yourself a new home because you're pretty much buying there at land value at that price. Is that where we're at right now? Yeah, 900 certainly for a lot size around that 700 square metres to 800 square metres will be at least $900,000. Wow, there you go. Matt McWaters, thank you very much for coming in and chatting about uh, one of Perth's most tightly held secrets, I think, is the best way to put that. Uh, We'll have you in again very soon. Please go and pick up Churchlands and City Beach for us so we can have further (laughs) conversations. Thanks, Trent. Look forward to it. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Perth Property Show. If you've only just joined the conversation, you can catch up by heading over to our website, perthpropertyshow.com.au, subscribing to the podcast or joining our Facebook page. Don't forget to tune in next Monday at 7am for more expert insights, local analysis and suburb spotlights. Happy hunting!